We are in a series called Transformed. Here's where we've been so far. We talked about preparation. We talked about the idea that growth is intentional. It doesn't happen. A gas pump doesn't go from that to that without a plan and a purpose and some, some, some very decisive actions. Okay? We talked about growth being intentional. Last week we talked about spiritual growth and we talked about the idea that that one of the first things you got to do is be honest with yourself. So we encourage you to take a test um, to figure out where you are spiritually and find one step you need to take. And so some of you have been meeting your small groups, you've been talking about those things, and you've been figuring out what step you need to take for your spiritual growth. Um, this week, we're going to talk about physical. We're going to talk about your physical growth, your physical health. Um, so I hope you had your last donut this morning. Uh, no, um... <laughs> No, I'm not going to go there. I, but uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about we're going to talk about this issue of physical uh, physical health. Okay, and um, I'm going to go in a direction I don't I think will surprise you, but I think is important for us to understand um, when we talk about our physical health. You know, the second I say that, everybody thinks, okay, you know, I know I got to eat less and exercise more. Um, it, it goes bigger than that. I'm mean, not saying those things aren't important, but it's bigger than that. And so we want, we want to talk about your, your physical health, and we want to understand that all the things that we're going to be talking about, all seven of these things that we're talking about in transformation, are all interconnected. Think of it as a, as a bowl of spaghetti. You know, all those noodles or spaghetti strands, they're, they're all intertwined with each other. And in the same way, your physical is tied to your emotional, it's tied to your mental, it's tied to your spiritual, it's tied to your relational, it's tied to your financial, it's tied to your vocation. They're, they're, they're all interconnected. So when one is out of balance or when one is not healthy, it impacts the other ones. And so what we're trying to do is find a way to get each one of those areas in our lives just one step healthier than what it is right now. And so this morning we're going to be looking at our physical side of it. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to kind of bounce off what it is that probably affects our physical more than any, the one thing that I think affects our physical more than any other thing around, and that's this. Stress is probably the greatest, uh, the greatest influence on your physical health. Um, because your body was never designed to handle stress long term. Uh, your body was designed to react to stress, handle it short term, and move on. But what happens for many of us is stress becomes something that we try to deal with on a long-term basis without any relief. And so what happens is it starts to take its toll. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction and, and, and talk a little bit about stress. And then I want to talk about from the Bible and then I want to apply it to our lives. Here's, here's what you need to they tell us that stress comes from four main areas. First area is environmental. Things that you don't have any control over. An example this week. Um, everybody's going along pretty fine until the water starts to come in, and now the environment has had a huge impact on our stress level. Because now you're having to manage other stuff that is out of your control. None of us get to control the weather. So environment, environmental changes um, take, a, take a toll and add stress to your life. Okay? Um, a second area is social. You have relationships and 
something happens within those relationships, and all of a sudden now you got that family thing that's now stressing you out. Um, or that friend who said that one thing or did that other thing, and now you're all stressed out about it. Um, another area that impacts you is physiological. And what we're talking about is we're talking about physical changes in your life, physical things that happen, um, high blood pressure, sleep apnea, things like that that, that, that are physiological in nature. Uh, for teenagers going through puberty, for older people, uh, guys and gals going through menopause. Um, when, you know, all that comes with that, that adds stress um, to your life. And then the other issue is that, that issue of just the idea of emotional or cognitive kinds of things where you just keep playing the same things over and over in your head or you play the games of worst-case scenario in your head and, and you do that. Those are all things that are impacting our physical well-being. Um, and when stress comes into your life, basically you have three responses. There's, there's three stages that they tell us about stress. Um, the first is when, when, when a stress comes, like for instance, I'm going to use the floods example because that's what everybody's been talking about. There's what they call the alarm stage, and that's the stage where it's the, the fight or flight thing. It's like, okay, am I going to run away from this or am I going to fight this? You know, am I going to, am I just going to pick up and act like this never happens or am I going to deal with this? Most times you end up dealing with it. Um, and so then there is that coping stage kind of thing. They call it, um, the first one they call it alarm, the second one they call it resistance, um, where you start to come up with a plan to deal with all of the stresses that you're at. Okay, what do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? The last stage is what they call exhaustion. The idea is that you've managed it and dealt with it for so long, it just finally takes a toll and you collapse um, under the weight and the pressure and the long-term stress thing. And we know that there are short-term consequences of stress. There are long-term consequences of stress. Um, Short-term headache, fatigue, difficulty sleeping, concentrating, upset stomach, um, irritability. Um, Long-term, there's a lot of physiological issues. Um, uh, high blood pressure, um, arrhythmia, heart issues, irritable bowel syndrome stuff, stomach issues, weight gain or loss, um, uh, sexual issues, fertility issues, um, flare-ups of asthma, arthritis, um, acne, I mean, you know, depression. I mean, all of these are, are, are things that start happening because basically you're under stress and your body wasn't designed to deal with it long term and so it starts physically taking a toll on your on your body itself so this morning what i want to do is i want to look at a passage that you don't normally think of in terms of this you normally think of this in terms of grief but i want you to think about it from a perspective of david who is writing here is a shepherd a shepherd is a very physical job it's a 24 7 7 day a week 52 week a year job the job where they're living with the sheep, okay? Um, and so I want you to think about it. I want to look at this psalm, Psalm 23, actually, in context of your physical well-being, okay? And I want to pull, we're going to pull some principles out of it as we go, and, and, and then we're going to apply them. So here's the first one. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. Okay? Here's the first thing about your physical health that you need to understand. If you have a relationship with God... You've got everything you need. That's where your security needs to be. 
It doesn't need to be in your job. It doesn't need to be in your IRA. It doesn't need to be in what your bank account says. It doesn't need to be in the title in your career. It doesn't need to be in how well everybody's doing in your family. The thing that you need most, the fundamental security that you have to have in order to have a decent physical well-being is to understand that your trust and your security has to rest in Christ. David said, look, he's my shepherd. That's all. I got it. I'm covered. The sheep didn't stand in the field going, oh, I wonder if our shepherd will take care of us today. Shepherd did stupid things. And what? Oh, oh she's gone, right? Okay, yeah. Oh, we're not allowed to say stupid in my house, so, because I get called on it by a three-year-old. Um, um, going, Grandpa, no. Oh, 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 she already heard it? Yeah, okay, I knew it. I'm sorry, Claire. I'm sorry, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's the idea of, it's that idea of God, they don't sit there and worry about that stuff because the shepherd's taking care of them. And that's what David says. He said, the first thing you've got to realize in all the stress and stuff that's impacting your life is, look, God is your shepherd. That's, you've got it covered right there. You're never going to go through anything alone from that point on. Then notice what he says next. He makes me do what? Lie down. Um, he makes you lie down. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. When God created mankind, he had a million options, didn't he? So why, when he created mankind, did he design man in a 24-hour day to sleep three, a third of it? God could have designed you to run off of 30 minutes sleep. God could have designed you to not need any rest. Why did the creator of the universe say, when I design man, I'm going to design him in such a way that he spends a third of his life with his eyes closed, unconscious, resting. Why did he design the human body to say it needs that downtime? Why did he design creation to take off a whole season? Why did he do that? You see, this idea of rest is fundamental to the nature of creation and God's created beings. God designed you to lie down. He makes me lie down. And for a shepherd to say this, it's a big deal. He makes me come to a point of saying, I am going to rest. I'm going to unplug and I'm going to rest. He creates within creation itself this Sabbath principle. You work six, you take off one. Now listen to me. Many of us violate that principle. We don't understand why our physical health is the way it is. When people are in the hospital, I worry a lot about the people who are the primary caregivers. And if you've been in the hospital any long-term thing, you've heard me say this. 
get out of the hospital every day, go home at night and sleep. My wife was three days in the hospital. Every day I got out of that building, mainly to Starbucks, and the girl knew what I would order when I would approach the counter. And I went home every night. Because I knew there's coming a point at which she's going to come home and I'm going to be the primary caregiver. And if I go into it exhausted, I'm no good to her. And I can't stress this enough because I watch people try to violate, I watch people violate this principle all the time and then wonder how come my physical health is the way it is. Because you weren't designed to run like that. That's why. Creation itself is not designed to run like that. This Sabbath principle, and by the way, the Sabbath principle ultimately is a, is a principle of trust. Are you going to trust God that you can get six days of work done, or seven days of work done in six days? Are you going to trust him enough to do that? To pull off for a day and to say, I'm going to recharge, I'm going to refresh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get the rest that I need, To be able to go into the rest of the week. Or are you going to say, you know what, if I just work more and more and more and more, if I work all day, then it'll happen. You go, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm a farmer, and it comes harvest, and we've got to work seven days. Yeah, you're right. God's wrong. You're going, hey, listen. Read the Old Testament. They let the field stay Fallow. They would, they, would put, they would take off a whole year. And that was some of you were thinking. You know, well, Satan don't take off. He's at work seven days a week. Really? Your goal is to be like Satan? Because God's goal was six days off one. And, I, okay, I, like I say, I, I, you know me, I like meddling. <laughs> Some of you are letting sports creep into that. Oh, but my kid won't. Time out. Are we going to instill this idea of a Sabbath principle or not? Let's be honest with ourselves. He makes me to lie down. And notice what he says, because there's another aspect of it. He makes me to lie down, and notice what it says. In lush green meadows, leaves me besides calm, quiet water, he restores my soul. There's another aspect to this Sabbath idea, and it's this. Now, this is my, my hobby horse and pet peeve, so I'm, gonna, I'm really going to work really, really hard to not get onto this. There has to be a creative nature to it. I think this is adding to our stress level as human beings, and here's, what, here, here's, here's my pet peeve is this. One of the things that you notice about creation in Genesis is the idea that when God created man, one of the earliest things God did with man was ask him to name the animals. Now, that is a creative act. And Adam can't go, okay, that's number one, that's, that's one A, that's like one B. It's like giraffe, elephant, platypus. I, he, there's all these creative ideas. I don't think he gave them English names, but, and I don't think they were in Latin either, but he gave them all these creative names. When God designed flowers, he gave them all the colors and shapes and types of things like that. When God made animals, I mean, have you ever looked at a dodo bird? 
Let me tell you something. That's, you got to be creative to come up with one of those. There is this creative aspect to it. Here's what I think is, is, is contributing to stress levels in our culture is this. We are not required anymore to be creative. Everything is done for us. Used to be you had to be creative and, and, oh, no, you know what? I went to make supper and I didn't have this, so I substituted that. You don't have to do that anymore. Comes in a box or carton, you rip it open, you throw it in there, you hit the microwave button, you bring it out and go, hey! You know? It used to be when you were a farmer, you had to figure stuff out and be creative with it. Uh, my kid, I drive Josh nuts because I am... I. I <laughs> You know, I'm like, yes, Josh, I can go buy a hinge, but I've got a better way to do it, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm making hinges out of leather gloves, you know? And he's, they work, and they're cheap, and, and he's like, oh, man, you know? So he, he, I had to put a couple of door, temporary doors on, and I didn't have a latch, but I had PVC pipe. I made the coolest door handle. In fact, it was so cool when we went to, had to do a second one, Jess goes, I think we ought to do that one just because it was cool the first time. And it drives Josh nuts because he's like, why can't you just get like a knob? No, no, this is a whole slide lock, boom, boom, boom. And it was fun. It was fun because it was creative. Look, you used to have to be creative on the farm and coming up with solutions. That's why I love taking farmers to the mission field because they're used to making do with whatever they got and making it happen. But so many of us, we're in jobs where we don't have to be creative. We don't create anything. So we come to the end of a day or a week or a month and there's nothing that we have done creatively. And, and I want to challenge you because I think this is, a, this is something that what you will find is when you step back and you pull away and you actually enjoy creation, it recharges something in your life. When you create something, it becomes... It, it, it recharges something. It does something to you internally because you are created that way. And I just want to challenge you with that. He says he makes me to lie down in lush pasture. He starts going. Notice what he got. Next thing he says, um, verse 4. Or 3. Yeah, 3. He guides me in the right paths for his namesake. In other words, God directs him. Look, this is why some of you are stressed out right now because you're trying to make a decision and you don't know what God wants you to do. Go to God, get an answer. Move on. You will find so much peace in stressful situations when you know what God wants you to do. And you decide, now it's going to be stressful if you decide not to do what God wants you to do. But when you go, you know what, this is a slam dunk. God says do this, this is how we're going to handle this. It takes all the stress out of the decision making process. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think it's interesting. What is death compared to in this passage? What is it? A shadow. You're only afraid of a shadow until you know what's real. When you know what's real, the shadow doesn't hold, I mean, unless it's like a monster, and then it's like, oh, that's a monster shadow. Okay, now I'm scared. But, I mean, honestly, you know, you see something and you look at it and you go, okay, that's, that's just a shadow. That's not the real thing. 
That's not the real thing. And, and he says, look, when you understand death from the perspective of a Christian, that's just a shadow. Nothing to be afraid of. And he talks about the idea of, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I'll fear no evil. It's interesting. It's a valley. You have a valley because you have a mountain. You have a low spot because there's a high spot. And David says, look, in the low spots, I'm not going to focus on the low spots. You're riding your staff. They're going to guide me, and you'll be with me to get through the valley. And some of you, that's what's happened is there's, there's this lack of trust, and so there's all of this stress on what, and you play this what-if game constantly. And, 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 and we saw this in 96. It looked like a really tough time. And it was a hard time, and I'm not going to minimize it. But if we had to go through that again to get where we are today, okay. That's the only path I'm, I'm, up, I'm up for it, because I love where we are today. It goes on. Notice what he says. He says, uh, next verse. Yeah, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. He says, look. You know those relationship things that are adding stress to you and you're trying to figure out what to do and how you get even and what you do to get that person to change? He says, forget it. Sit down and eat. Let God take care of it. Stop fighting. Stop worrying about all that stuff. Start focusing on all that stuff and realize God will handle your enemies and your critics. God will handle the people. God will deal with them. You don't have to. You don't have to figure it out. Let God deal with it. He says... My enemies are wanting to attack me. I'm eating lunch. It's not going to affect me. Guys, take care of me. And then he goes on, Surely goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said, I understand that what I'm going through right now, it's just temporary. There's a future that, that is there for me. And so David focuses on the future, not on what he's going through. And that affects, greatly affects, the idea that, look, God will take care of it. So he's not going to be consumed with the stress that physically will tear apart at your life. So here's where we are. Let's talk about how we apply it this week. You know me? I think that in order to go from that to that, you've got to know what you're dealing with here. So last, I'm not going to do this every week, but this last week and this week I am. <clears throat> last week you got a thing to look at where you were spiritually. Ask yourself a whole bunch of questions. You may not like the answers, but at least you got a good idea and a good snapshot of where you are. i got another test for you this morning. Okay? So it's not in your book. It's not with any of this material. You're not going to hear it on the DVD. This is, this is my own little deal. I'll tell you how I got to it. It's on the back table. On the, group leader stuff is over here. Everybody's stuff is out in the lobby. So out in the lobby, grab one of those sheets. It's going to ask you, and it's not going to talk about Physical health, that's one category. It's going to talk about your energy level. <clears throat> so let me give you a little background to this. Um, Gwen Schramm, I, I like business stuff. If, in, in my free reading time and my recreational reading time, there's two things I read. I read business stuff, uh, particularly business leadership stuff, and I, I read uh, military stuff, um, more modern military than ancient military stuff. Those are two things that I enjoy reading. And both of them kind of overlap with the leadership thing. And Gwen knows that I, I like leadership stuff. So Gwen does a lot in the area of leadership, and particularly in, a, in a, um, a corporate kind of setting, a business world. So once in a while, she'll bounce stuff to me and say, hey, I found this stuff. You might appreciate it. 
Um, and so she bounced this to me, I don't know, eight months, a year ago, something like that. She had run across, and it talked about this concept, and since then I've done some reading on this. Uh, it talked about this concept of, in the corporate world right now, there's a, there, there, it's not now, it has been, there has been a discussion about the issue of time versus energy. Um, and here, here it is in a nutshell. Time is a finite resource. You don't get more time. Energy, however, is a renewable resource. Energy is something that you use as you function within the world of time. Okay? So without getting too complicated with it. And here's what, the, here's what they're finding in the corporate world. If you use energy correctly, if you recharge your energy, you can get more done in, in your time, time construct. And you can find yourself far more productive in either the same amount of time or less time in some situations because your energy level. That's why, by the way, some of these tech companies out on the West Coast, you know, you guys read about these tech companies that they got like foosball tables and bars and all these kinds of because they're dealing with the life of coders and coders can sometimes spend 20, 30, 40, 50 hours in the same place not wanting to get by and to give them to recharge their energy, they go and play foosball and then they come back and they and play foosball or they drink. And that's why, by the way, teenagers, I'm going to rabbit trail and then I'm going to get back. That's why, the, that's why, by the way, the huge influx of this energy thing. These kids are figuring out, you know what, if I can just get more energy, the problem is, I don't understand this issue of short-term, long-term. That, yeah, it's a short-term boost, but there's going to be a long-term consequence. Just like the alcoholic who thinks that by drinking, I reduce my stress level, they really increase stress level. Just like people who have addictive habits like smoking or chewing, they think, you know, okay, this, this helps relieve my stress. No, it doesn't. It trades your stress for something long-term that you're going to deal with later. If you think it's stressful now, wait till the doctor says mouth cancer, lung cancer, kidney disease, diabetes. Then you're going to find out what stress is really all about. Kids, we already know energy drinks. We uh, just, just, just look. You do internet stuff. Read, read. The, you can't look at the levels of caffeine and the levels of sugar in those drinks and say this is healthy for me long term. Okay, it's a short term fix that has a long term consequence. Okay. Okay, I'm off that rabbit trail. My kids do energy drinks. I preach the same thing at home. I've never had one. I don't want one because, let me tell you something, I'm high strong enough, it pushed me over the edge. Okay? Can you imagine me coming in here on Sunday with an energy drink? Holy cow. <laughs> bouncing off the walls. Um, but, I mean, honestly, you know, it, it's an energy issue. And so here's, here's the thing. So here's what you're going to do. This week, this is what I want you to do. I want you to talk about it in your small group. I want you to pick one of these up and take a test. Are you headed for an energy crisis? The title of this. It's going to look at physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's going to ask you. Okay. If you, and it's going to tell you whether or not you're about ready to blow. Okay. 
And, it's, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's pretty accurate. Okay? It's pretty accurate. Because I took it and went... <laughs> I, just, I think I emailed Gwen back and said, oh, it's not good. Um, anyway, but it was helpful to me. It gave me a snapshot to be able to figure out what I need to do. Okay, so, um, so, so that's what you're going to do. You're going to take that. Again, that's a business tool, so it applies to the business world. It was written a, a few years ago, so it talks a lot about email. I would substitute email slash text. Okay, I, I would do that. I would do that, all right? Um, and ask yourself those questions, and it'll give you a good picture of where you are, energy-wise, because here's what happens. You're not going to get more time, but you can recharge your energy part of it. That's this whole Sabbath idea. That's all of this thing. So let's talk about practical steps, and here we go. Number one, if you're really going to be serious about your physical aspect of your life, um, make sure there's no physiological problems going on. Here's what that means. Guys, go to a doctor. I don't need no doctor. Go to a doctor. Go to a doctor. But make sure that you've ruled out physiological stressors in your life regarding your physical health. Oh, I don't need no... Look, time out. Yes, swallow your pride and go see a doctor. So let me tell you my story. About eight months ago... I started finding some things with me that just weren't right. I'm, I'm more than normal not right, okay? I mean, I know there's a lot of not right, but these were like out of the norm, out of my norm right. <clears throat> so I was talking to my wife about it, talked to my wife about it, so I finally went in, and I thought, you know what? Um, some of the things concern me because of our family history, health-wise and things like that. So I sat down with my doctor, and I said, okay, here's where we are. I said, this is what's going on. And I said, what do we do? He said, well, he said, let's rule out everything we can rule out. I said, okay. So I went through, I don't know how many blood tests and this test and that test and, and all these kind of tests. And, and basically when it all came back, I mean, there were, there were some little things. that, But, I mean, I had, I had things going on that I just knew something was off. And so we were able to change a few things. And, and there's nothing drastic. I didn't have to go on medication. I didn't have to. But, here's what, but it, it relieved all the physiological issues out of the thing. So I, I had to come to this conclusion. You know what? What I'm dealing with is not physical. Physiological, I should say. So then I had to then take a good hard look at the emotional side of my life. And I had to take a good hard look at the mental side of my life. And here's the conclusion that I came to. Because of the building project here, because of the, what happened in the church you know, with, with, with Dan Passon, and then what happened with the growth of the church and having to deal with everything else, I had burned the candle for so long at so many ends, my body had finally said, I'm done. I'm done. I have had my limit. You're not going to keep pushing me like this. And so all of a sudden I started to realize that I had to make some changes, and most of it was schedule, most of it was emotional, um, I had to do, one of the things I started doing is I went back to doing stained glass. I started getting back into being that, had that creative side. I started putting a little more focus on taking time off, on not answering the phone. When people would call, I'd let it go to voicemail, and then I would answer it when I got a chance to answer it. I got to the point that I stopped doing the text 24-7 and looking at my phone all the time. I get to the point now that when I get home today, my phone's going to go on the charger and, or it's going to go up on the counter. It's not going to be with me. When I decide I want to look at it, I'm going to go look at it. 
If there's an emergency, somebody can leave it on the machine and I'll hear it. Otherwise, because I decided that I did not need to spend my energy on these things that were not helping me. I needed to control where I was using my energy. And I started looking at things that did bring energy to my life. So I redid my office. When I go into my office now, I have glass stuff that says it's lighted 24-7. The second I walk in a room, the light goes on, and it, and it starts this color thing going on because I started surrounding myself with beauty again. My screensaver went to Chihuly Art. All day long, I'm looking at gorgeous art. You look at my Facebook. If you were to go on my Facebook stuff and look my personal stuff, not the stuff that's out there, but the stuff that I see when I look at it, I'd say 78% of it is art stuff. Because I found out those kind of things recharge me. It recharges my energy part of it, which then started to help my physical thing. And all of a sudden, the things that I was dealing with physically started to go away. Because I dealt with the emotional and the, 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 the mental side of it. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't have to go on a bunch of medication. I mean, I started taking a bunch of really expensive vitamins, but... Um, you know, so I have, you know, like you, like most Americans, I have the most expensive urine in the world. Um, you know, I mean, but I mean, you know, that's, I mean, that's where, where we are, but you know, it, it helped, you know, it took care of some of the stuff. Um, but my, my challenge is, you know, check it out physiologically, okay? Make, make sure there's nothing physically going on. Um, and, and gals are better at this than guys. Guys, I know we just don't do it and we should. So I, I want to say that, that part of it. Then, second thing is this. I think you really have to wrestle with this issue of trusting God. You're going to hear this a lot in this series. But I think you really need to take a step back and start trusting God. Some of you, the last time you had a Sabbath or a day off or a day where you just simply reflected and, and worshipped and enjoyed, and it was a long time ago. God designed you to go 6-1. You want to violate that, you do so at your own risk. You, know, you don't understand how much I have to do. More than God? You don't understand how important what I'm doing is, really? Well, let me ask you this. Then why is it that Jesus, who had the most important mission in all of the world ever, took off on the Sabbath. Why did he spend 33 years here and spend a third of it asleep? Why? Because he knew how the human body was designed. And I think it's fascinating, the incarnation, the idea that God who never sleeps, sleeps now a third of 33 years. That's a fascinating, a mind-boggling concept. But just, if it was that important, it's that important. And for you to think you don't need it, you, you need to understand, electricity was one of the worst things that happened to us. See, prior to electricity, when the sun went down, you stopped working. And you couldn't work again until the sun went up. Now, I mean, you got lights in your tractor that look like ball fields when you drive through the field. You can work 24-7. And 
And some of you do. And you know what it does to your body at the end of that season, too. And you think you can do that year after year after year after year after year and not pay a price for that? This Sabbath idea. So some of you are really going to have to step back and learn to trust God on some of this stuff. Now, I understand. We have people. I'm not saying I want everybody in the world to take off Sunday. Okay? I mean, God forbid that our fire department and our police and our hospital goes, you know, we're shut down on Sunday, so if you've got a heart attack, just wait till Monday morning. We'll be there. You know, I understand that. We have people who, who need to do that. But even those people, like me, you know, I work on Sunday. So I've learned I have to take a day off. I've got to have a Sabbath. Sometime when I carve it out and do that. I, I found out, by the way, for a marriage. We're starting to do a Sabbath, actually, for our marriage. Well, we just take time, we carve it out, and we say, this is just our time. We're going to go away. We're going to go do this, and we're going to recharge and recoup and refresh our relationship and all that kind of thing. This is an important principle. It's a trust thing. It really is. Some of you have hung on to situations that you've allowed stress you out over and over and over again, and you just got to learn to let it go. You've got previous marriages, you've got previous relationships and family, and you just let it get under your skin and it eats away at you and you're paying a physical price. Let it go. Let it go. Let God deal with it. And you take the high road and do the best you can, but realize it's got to be in God's hand. Some of you, you know why you're stressed out? Because of your pride. There's a whole group of people that want to help you. And you won't let them. Some of you are struggling financially. You've got people who can come alongside of you and help you with your finances. But you're too proud to say, I need help with my finances. Some of you have situations where you're like, you know, well, I'm a farmer and we do it all on our own. Yeah, and it shows. You could do it so much better if you had other people alongside of you to help you. And you could learn from them. And then you could teach it one day to other people. You know? A lot of you have seen... A lot of you have seen the tools that I've bought over the years. Um, the reason that I have what I have and, and do what I do is because I had a whole bunch of people that taught me. My dad had zero handyman ability. Zip, zero. I didn't learn it from him. Well, my dad did teach me that Reader's Digest made a family man, had, a, had a book that we could read and follow along for handyman stuff. So I learned to go and figure out how to do it. And when I got here, I had people come alongside of me that taught me how to do stuff. And now I'm trying to help other people teach other people how to do it. Because you swallow your pride and you say, you know what, it, I will accept your help. I will, I will allow you. Some of you are going to have a very hard time Letting people help you. And here's the crazy thing. You'll bend over backwards to help anybody else. But you won't take help. It's pride. And it is what's adding stress to your life. And it can be a whole lot less stressful. Now, there's still going to be stress involved. Like when I let somebody else do something for me, and they don't do it. Oh, Oh, I love my wife. I love my wife with my whole heart. <clears throat> so yesterday I got up earlier before her. 
And I know that Saturday she loves her kitchen floor cleaned. It is, her, it, is, it is one of those paranoid things. And I thought, I bought this really cool Swiffer that's battery operated, so it sprays stuff. It was like another tool, and I had, I've had a lot of fun with it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to do the whole floor for her. So I get the whole floor all done. Get it all done. Last night, I said, okay, honey, I said, is there anything else you need before you head up to bed and, and get everything all taken care of? Anything else? Well, one thing. Could you do the kitchen floor for me? I said, say what? She said, you know, can you swift for the kitchen floor for me? And I said, I did it this morning. No way. Yeah, I did. I remember doing it. So she hadn't looked at it. Well, I mean, how dare she not look at something that I had sweated for five minutes over. You know how it is. Women can do it all week long, but when a guy does it, we want the points. I mean, you put a star on our chart. And I didn't get a star on my chart. And she hadn't even noticed. And then she asked me to do it again. And I thought, oh, I didn't do it to her specification. So she went, she went upstairs to get ready. She came back down. And I was, I had the, she knew I was doing it because she heard the little, it's, it makes a squeak. And she goes, you don't have to do that. She said, I didn't know you do it. And when I finally looked at it, it looked fine. And I'm like, uh, I know you. It didn't look fine. You didn't notice. It wasn't good enough. And I did it again. I did the whole thing all over again. So it's all, it was all done. And then, so I walked away and it was like, okay, now. You know, I, felt, I feel like um, Tom Hanks with me, fire, floor, me. You know, I did floor, yay. Um, it was one of those kind of things. But, I mean, it was just one of those things where, you know, I understand when you don't, when somebody else helps you, they don't do it like you do it, but you value and appreciate the fact that they did it. My wife did. She's like, you know, I didn't know. I'm so thankful that you know. She, she's standing there going, you don't have to do this. You don't have to. Yes, I do. Yes, yes I do. Yes, I do. Um, and I, I didn't mind doing it because it's actually it's kind of fun with that sprayer thing. Now, if I had to get out the spray bottle and do it by hand, and then that uh, wouldn't be any fun. But this is a really cool tool. So. I, I say that to say this. Okay, so they don't do it like you do it. That's okay. Let them have the joy of serving you, just like you get a joy in serving them. And, and, and some of you, that's, that, what's added stress to your life is the fact that you're not letting other people help. For some of you, you've got to get clarity. Look, you don't know what God wants you to do in a given situation. You go to God, you figure it out, or you get somebody who you trust who's godly, who can give you some direction to know what God wants you to do. And for some of you, you're moving so fast. You're going to go through this whole week and never really see all of the things that you have. And some of you just need to slow it down. And you need to enjoy the moment. And you need to enjoy the day. You need to appreciate what you've got. Some of you need to get back out again and do simple things. Like, Instead of getting your mail at the mailbox as you drive up, you need to go park your car and walk out to the mailbox and notice the incredible place that we live. You go, well, you, i got to put on my boots and trudge through the mud. And, the, and it's awesome. It's awesome. Because there's people in the city that they don't have to ever put on boots. Because everywhere they walk is cement. And some of you, some of you, I mean, I, I'm talking about simple things. Some of you are going to get, all of you here, are you going to go out there, hopefully everybody, you're going to go out there, 
You're going to put your, you're going to put your ignition in and turn it, or you're going to push a button, or you're going to say, you know, car start, and, and, and it's going to start. And it's going to get you home. And you're like, well, you don't understand how hard it is for me to get there, how many roads have been washed out. Do you know that the roads that have been washed out that you're driving on are, the, are, are like the main maintained road in Papua New Guinea? <clears throat> I mean, a ball team, two, two opposing tribes got mad at each other, dug out, the, dug out the tunnel in the middle of the road so no one could get to either side. At least we don't have that happening. You woke up this morning. You got dressed. You got here. You chose among all kinds of clothes what to wear. You opened a refrigerator or a pantry or whatever else and had all kinds of choices for breakfast. You go, ah, not, not enough time to eat breakfast. Ooh, you're not going to do well on the quiz today. <laughs> not going to do well on the energy thing. If you don't have enough energy for breakfast. Look, folks, physical health is tied to all the rest of it as well. And all of us can do better. I want to challenge you this week to realize what we have and to appreciate it and, 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 and to take a step forward to make it better this week. So I end with this. Take a serious look at your physical health. Stress is crippling many of us because we're failing to trust and respond to God properly. We need to get back to keeping a healthy focus on life from God's perspective. We need to embrace the idea of a Sabbath. And we need to balance our lives as we seek to honor God in our physical lives this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Guide us. Direct us. Lord, so many of us, the stresses of life have just consumed us. Lord, they've taken a huge toll on our physical well-being. So, Lord, help us take a good look at how we're using our energy. Help us take a good look at this idea of trusting you and learning to rest and learning to be dependent on you. Help us, Lord, to take a good, hard, honest look at our own lives and that, Lord, we would honor and serve you with our physical well-being as well as all of the other areas of our lives. And, uh, Lord, this week, may we learn to appreciate, to recharge with the beauty and the incredible world that surrounds us in all that we do. These things we ask in your name. Amen.